This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. A word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to share your truth with your people. I pray this day would be a special day for all mothers all around God, and I thank you that you would just help me to speak your word with truth, Father, and, and authority and power. The way that I believe you gave it to me in my heart as I was studying, preparing for this day, God, I pray that you would soften the hearts here that are receptive to the seed of the word of God, and I pray that it would bring about a change in every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, um, I'm not sure if you uh, have seen this video or not, but if you haven't, I would encourage you to go on YouTube and look up a video by Mr. T. You guys remember Mr. T? Anybody remember Mr. T? Mr. T, I be the fool, right? Mr. T. All right, so you would, uh, Mr. T was most famous for his role on the A-team as B.A. Barakas. I be the fool. I ain't getting on, I ain't getting on no plane. You know, and, and that was all his, his famous one-liners. Mr. T and all his gold jewelry. And Mr. T with his mohawk and his tough guy attitude. Well, he has a softer side as well. He has a softer side for his mother. And if you haven't seen this video, I would encourage you to go on YouTube and look up Mr. T, Mother's Day. Because at the peak or the pinnacle of Mr. T's career, not only did he decide to become an actor or a professional wrestler, but Mr. T said, I'm going to take the next plunge and begin to start my musical career. And he, started, and he wrote a rap song about his mother because he loves his mother so much. Well, you can go watch the video or... I could just do it right here. I'll just do it right here. How about that? <laughs> All right. I need. I, 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 uh, so here, here we go. You guys ready for this? All right. All right. So come on. I need you to help me. All right. Here we go. Come on. Here we go. Mr. T. He go. Treat her right. Treat your mother right. Uh. Treat her right. Treat your mother right. Mother. Uh. There is no other. See the rhyming. Like mother. Some people aren't clapping. Treat her right. Treat her right. Here we go. Here's the verse. M for the moan and the miserable groan from the pain that she felt when I was born. O is for the oven with this burning heat where she stood making sure I had something to eat. T is for the time that she stayed up at night and when she took my temperature when I wasn't feeling right. <laughs> H is the hurt, hard-earned money she spent to keep clothes on my back and pay the rent. E is every wrinkle I put on her face and every worry that I cause when I stay out late. The last letter R is that she taught me respect and for the room up in heaven that I know she'll get words. See, three and a half years ago when you guys voted on me, you had no idea. I didn't put, the, I didn't put that skill set in, uh, in the resume. Treat your mama right. Why should we treat our mothers right? Because mothers should be people who are worthy of being treated right because they have lived an example for us that are, can call her mother, us, her children, a life of honor. And so we're going to talk about living a life of honor today and how she has set the tone and set the pattern and has been the model for us to move forward in life. So if you have your Bible, you can go to Psalm 
126 and verse 4, we're going to see uh, the, the, the story here of how the captives were brought back from Zion. But we're going to parallel this and see what God has to say to us today about honoring mothers and living a life of honor. Psalm 126 and verse 4, it says, Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall also reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. Now, I find this interesting that you see that this person is sowing in tears, but they're going to reap in joy. How many times can mothers say, I sowed or invested, and there were much tears in my sowing and my investment? But you don't give up. I think a lot of times in our culture nowadays, when we make an investment or we make a decision and we want to do something, if we don't see instant change, we get really upset and we get really discouraged and we want to quit. We want to throw our hands up in the air. But I think that, the, that a mother is the perfect example of investing in something long-term. Why can mothers invest long-term? Why can they invest in something even though they may be weeping over that, even though they may be weeping over us and some of the foolish decisions that we make? She continues to invest. She doesn't ostracize us. She doesn't give up on us. She doesn't write us off. No, why does she keep on investing? I'll tell you why. Because she sees the big picture. Mom teaches us to invest in the big picture. She's teaching us that even though right now we may be sowing with a lot of grief, we may be investing in something in life that we know God wants us to do or that is God honoring, and we're investing over and over again, it will be hard. It's not always easy to invest. It's not always easy to live a life that is going to bring honor and glory to God. You're going to meet opposition. You're going to meet challenges. Things are not going to go the way you want them to go. What are you going to do when that happens? Are you going to go, I give up on this church thing. I'm giving up on Christianity. I'm giving up on this marriage. I'm giving up on my kids. I'm giving up on this job. And we just throw our hands up in the air every time we face opposition. You see, mothers teach us that even though we may be acting a fool right now, that we need to still keep the big picture in mind because she knows that even though we're making foolish decisions right now, that she still sees us worthy of being invested in. Amen? Amen. She still invests, even though we may make bad choices right in the middle of our journey. And she's just going, oh, hi, yeah, yeah. She doesn't give up on us, just like God doesn't give up on you or me. God doesn't give up on us in the middle of our foolishness, does he? No. He doesn't give up on us. He says, no, I'm still going to love you right where you're at. I'm still going to invest in you because I see value in you. And I see the big picture. I see that where you're at, I see that you're making mistakes. I see that you're struggling. He said, but I'm investing in you because I love you. God sent the biggest investment you and I could ever receive. And that's the investment of his son. Amen? He sent Jesus Christ for us. That while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. Now, this word so that's used here in Psalm 126 is the word zara. And that word in the Hebrew means to conceive seed or to set intentionally in place to plant or to bear. Intentionally. Intentionally investing. We're not talking about, oh, I'm just hoping that something catches. Oh, I'm hoping they hear something. I'm hoping they get something. No, intentional, laser-like focus, investing, because I know that this is good ground. I know that I am called to invest in this. And that's what a mother does. She understands her calling is to invest. Is she going to face opposition in her investment? 
Oh, yeah. And guess what? When you have your own investments of your own to invest in, she's going to remind you of the investment that she had to make in you. She's going to say, yeah, you're paying for your raising is what you're doing. Because she's saying, no, you're understanding now how I felt. You're able to be in that role now. So where when you were a child, you thought as a child, you acted as a child, you had the values of a child, and you didn't understand the weight of responsibility. But when you're grown and you have children of your own, all of a sudden your value system should change. Your responsibilities change. When you get married, your responsibilities change. When you have children, your responsibilities change. And then when you have grandchildren, yet again, your responsibilities are changing because you're seeing, I'm investing for the long haul. I'm investing in the big picture. Yeah, right now might be rough, but I'm looking further down the road. And I have to do what is best for you, my child, even though you might not understand. You see, a mother's investment displays for us a life of honor, a life that is lived most successfully when it's lived selflessly. And I think that if anyone should encapsulate that picture of what a mother should be, it should be someone who lives selflessly, someone who is more interested in another's well-being than she is her own. That's why she'll sacrifice. That's why she's sowing oftentimes in tears, because she's expecting to reap Enjoy because no sower sows without expecting a harvest. Amen? Matter of fact, that's kind of his deal. If he's going out sowing, he's not just going, oh, maybe this will happen, maybe it won't. No, he's intentionally planting or setting something in place, fully expecting to reap a harvest. Now, here's the thing the sower can make sure the conditions are right for the seed. The sower can make sure that the seed is cared for. And that's part of the sower's job. That's where the tears are involved. That's where the labor's involved. That's where the, the pain is involved. But what's the one thing that the sower cannot do to the seed? It cannot make it grow. That's why 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, Paul was talking about the differences in his ministry and another guy named Apollos because people were arguing who, who had the better baptism? Who, who were you baptized under? Because if you were baptized under this guy or you said under this guy's teaching, well, you were a higher class Christian or you were more special. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. We're working together. We're on the same team. He said, I may plant and Apollos may water. He said, but God's the one who brings the increase. You see, it's God who grows the seed. It's God who matures us. It's God who changes our heart. You can't change your child's heart, but you can water it and nourish it and protect it. You hear what I'm saying today? Because you're investing in the big picture. You're standing in faith. That's why parents have to parent by faith. They can't parent based on what they see. Because if you parent based on what you see, you would get discouraged all the time. You have to look forward into what God wants for you. And you have to believe that and stand on it and invest in it and expect it. Amen? You have to invest in that big picture. And that's why uh, in Proverbs 6 and 20, if you pull that up, Proverbs 6 and 20, the Bible says, My son, keep your father's command and don't forsake the law of your mother. So when mama says she's laying down the law, don't forsake it because you've got scripture right there to stand on. 
Keep your father's command, but don't forsake the law of your mother. Because this lady's intentionally investing because she's expecting to see results. And she understands that's not her only role is to invest in the big picture. But she also understands that her role is to watch over what she plants. You and I can learn that in our life as we're striving to live a life of honor is to watch over what we invest in. Watch over what you plant. Because planting and sowing isn't enough. You have to take care of what you planted. Amen? You have to. If you want deep roots to grow in your children or in anything that you've invested in in life, you need to take care of the seed. Just much like oftentimes in church when someone comes to Christ and they hear the message of the gospel that even though that they may be a sinner, even though they may, may be someone who has outright rejected God, that God loves them right there in their broken, fallen state, and He will save them if they will simply reach out to Him and acknowledge what Jesus Christ did for them. And that was taking their punishment for their sin on the cross so they wouldn't have to receive that punishment. But Jesus took it in their place. And because Jesus took their place, our faith in what he did can make us right in the eyes of God. Because you can never be right in your own admission. You can never be right in your own works. But Jesus made you right in the eyes of God because he took your punishment. He took the punishment for the sin of the world. And when we realize that and we come to that knowledge and we go, wow, thank you, God. I am so grateful for what you did. I can be in right standing with a holy and perfect God. And so I give my heart to him and I I give my life to him and I serve him. Well, when I do that and I make that decision, we just don't go, oh, well, we hope you figure that out now that you've come to Christ. Now that you've had that invested in you, good for you. Good luck with that Jesus thing. That's not what we do, is it? No, what do we do? We still have to watch over what's been planted. We want to help people grow. We want to help them mature. That's why we believe strongly in discipleship here at Word of Grace, because that's what Jesus said we're called to do in Matthew 28. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples. And so we want to grow as a disciple, a follower, a disciplined follower of Jesus. And so we want to make sure that what's invested in us is being watched over. So when we're spending time, effort, and energy investing and planting, we don't just need to abandon the seed after it's been planted. We need to watch over it. We need to watch over the hearts of our children. We need to watch over those things that we've invested in our lives and in other people's lives because it's part of our responsibility to watch over that. I was a youth pastor for seven years, and it always broke my heart to see the disconnect between parents and teenagers. And often, if I could identify a trend, I would see that disconnect really spike during the 15, 16, 17-year-old age range. That's when that disconnect would really spike. And parents would react primarily two ways that I saw in my seven years of youth ministry. One of those ways was that they would say, I don't know what to do. You just go do your own thing. Just go figure it out. I I don't even know how to deal with this person. Or the other way that I saw parents react was I saw them try to get on the kid's level and be cool in order to be their kid's friend and this compromising all of their respect and relationship and all those things. So, so they would try to be the cool parent and just, you know, we're the whatever cool parents or they would be the disconnected, I don't know what to do with this kid parent. Those were the two primary negative reactions that I saw when kids got in that age bracket. And I would always counsel and respond to parents the same way mom and dad 
just because your kid hits 15, 16, 17 years old doesn't mean that they don't want you in their life. They want you to care about what they care about. They want you to know who they are because it's easy for you to love your children and to invest in your children when they're little guys because they want to be like you. They think you're awesome. But then the day that they don't think you're quite as awesome as they used to think, you don't know what to do with that. Oh, you mean you have your own little opinion now? Isn't that cute? Or, oh, you have your own way of thinking now? Or you have your own feelings towards this situation? Or your own belief in this area or that area? And parents freak out and they don't know how to react to that. And so they either completely distance themselves or they just try to be cool to get the kid to like them. And those are the two primary things that I saw over and over again. And neither one of those things worked. The responsibility of the parent does not change and it does not lessen as the children get gets older. Actually, our responsibility as we get older in life should increase, not decrease. Because we're going to be held accountable for the things that we know and the things that we've learned and the things that we've experienced. And so the more I've learned, the more I know, the more I've experienced, the more responsible that I should be with that weight of that knowledge to be able to pour into and invest Parents, if you're a parent of a teenager, let me tell you something. Your kids want you to be interested in what they're interested in, especially if it's something that you don't care about because they want you to get into their lives. They want you to know who they are becoming, who they're growing into, not just the person that you remember when they were young and little and more or less idolized you because of how great you were as a parent or because of what you used to do with them. No, they're growing and they're changing and they're maturing and your responsibility is growing and changing and maturing and your role is growing and changing and your responsibility in that role is maturing. And now they're going to need you in different areas of life than where they've needed you before. And they want you to know that they respect you and they love you, but they want you to care about them right where they're at. They want the things that are important to them to be important to you. And that's part of us watching over what we plant and making sure that we meet them in a place that lets them know, hey, I care about you right where you're at. The things that you care about, instead of me just brushing those things off, I'm going to care about those things because I care about you. That's part of me watching over your heart. That's part of me being interested in the season of life that you're in. And I think that oftentimes when people would disconnect and would just take their hands completely off, they would make some of the biggest mistakes ever. And those years are tough and those years are hard. And I've seen a lot of people do really well and I've seen some people not do so well. But the Bible says that if we sow in tears, we're going to reap in joy. Amen? That means that all of these different roles that God has given us, when we invest in people's lives, whether it's our own children or whether it's friends or people that God has given us influence with or whether it's your grandchildren or if, or if God allows your great-grandchildren or your great-great-grandchildren, you still have responsibility. God has still put people in your life and He's still given you influence and He wants us to watch over what we plant to make sure we're still watering that seed because we know what's been invested is important and valuable. Amen? Mothers are called to be selfless and that's why they pay the price. That's why they're willing to invest. That's why they're willing to put off the things that they would maybe rather do in order to continue to invest and to watch over the seed because they're, they, they see the bigger picture and they understand something about leadership. They understand that it is not about me, but rather it's about what I can invest and impart into the next generation. You remember last week in Judges chapter 2, 
where we talked about the children of Israel had, had all passed away, the former generation that had walked into the promised land, and now it's their kids, that next generation that's, that, that's now in charge and that's now running the show. And the Bible says that that generation grew up not knowing the things of the Lord. It said they didn't know his ways, they didn't know him. Because someone didn't impart, someone didn't watch over, someone didn't make sure that those things were in place and that they continued on to the next generation. When we make it all about us and we become selfish, then we miss the mark, we miss the point. We miss the point of investing, we miss the point of, of, of carrying those things on. And it becomes about how well I can do instead of how can I help you to grow? How can I pour into you? You see, folks, leadership is selfless. I've had a quote on my desk for about the past 10 years. When I first read it, I immediately went and typed it up on a white sheet of paper and I printed it out and cut it out to fit in a small frame that has been on my desk for about 10 years. And here's that quote. It's by a man named Eugene Habaker. It says this, The true leader serves, serves people, serves their best interests, and in doing so may not always be popular, may not always impress But because true leaders are motivated by concern rather than personal glory, they are willing to pay the price. And I think that that's the perfect picture of what mothers are called to do and how they're called to set the tone and set the pace. Because what do they do? They serve us. And I don't mean serve like they're going to do everything for us. They do some things for us that we aren't worthy of, that we didn't deserve, but she does it because she loves us. But then there's something she does that we don't like, but it's still her serving us. It's her serving our best interest. And when she serves our best interest instead of her popularity or others' opinions, then guess what? She's not always going to be popular. I don't know about you, but mom wasn't always popular in my home. We always would come back around, you know. It might take a while, depending on what the situation was. But when you serve someone's best interest, you're not always going to be popular because you're going to have to make decisions that some people don't understand and that some people don't like. But when you're truly motivated by the right things and you see the big picture, then you have to make decisions that are in the best interest of the people that you're leading. And you're not always going to be popular. You're not always going to impress people. You see, if impressing people or being popular is the goal, then you're not serving the best interests of those that you're leading. You're serving your own interests. But if you're serving the best interests of those that you're leading, then you are not always going to be popular. You're not always going to impress because you're motivated by concern. You're motivated by the big picture, by what you see, by we're here, but we can't stay here. We need to move there. And because you're motivated by that rather than personal glory, you'll be willing to sow in tears. You'll be willing to go through those periods of grief, those periods of heartache, making those tough decisions that may not make you very popular. You'll pay the price because you're a servant. You'll pay the price because you're living a life of honor. You'll pay the price because you're watching over what you plant because it's important to you because you see value in it you see that's a life of honor that's a life of leadership that's a life that mothers set the tone for because the more we grow the more responsibility we receive the more you and I grow the more responsibility we should receive a lot of people want to run from responsibility especially the older they get in life 
They think, oh, I've already served my time. I've already done what I was supposed to do. And now it's time for me to just enjoy the rest of life and just simply release everything else to other people. No, actually, the more you grow, the more responsibility you receive because your role changes. Yeah, you may not be the one actually physically doing everything anymore like you were at that one season of your life. But now you're helping to instruct and invest in others because you want to carry on the things of God to the next generation. And the more you grow in the things of God, the more responsibility you're going to receive. Titus chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Older men, you need to be sober. You need to be reverent and temperate. You need to be sound in faith and in love, and you need to be patient. And the older women, likewise, you need to be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not given to um, much wine. You need to be a teacher of good things that... You would admonish the younger women to love their husbands, that you would teach those younger women to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to be homemakers, to be good, to be obedient to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be blasphemed. And so that this thing is going to carry on to the next generation. You need to instruct, he said, exhort those young men to be sober-minded. In all things, show yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who as an opponent would be ashamed because they wouldn't have anything evil to say about you. They'd be like, I, I got nothing bad to say about them. They're, they're, they're pouring into me. They're investing into me because they see value. It said to the older men and to the older women, not that you sit back and do nothing, but rather it says you actually have a different responsibility now. You have a responsibility to intentionally invest. And this is the character qualities and the things that I want you to invest. These are the character qualities that I want you to teach and invest so that when people want to come against the church, when people want to come against the name of God, they wouldn't have anything evil to say about you because of the way that you have modeled and the way you have displayed, the way you have lived your life as a life of honor, the way that you have persevered, the way you have sowed in tears, but now you're beginning to reap in joy and you're beginning to see the hand of God and the faithfulness of God in your life because the more I grow, the more responsible I become The more responsible I become, the more I should be growing and becoming a better model. See, John Maxwell said, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And moms will give selflessly to their children in spite of their own needs or wants. Because when it comes to her responsibility, she recognizes something. It's not about me. I've been given this responsibility to invest. I've been given this responsibility to impart. And that's going to continually grow as I live a life of honor. (coughs) Excuse me, as I learn some things, as I grow in some areas, as I see victory in certain areas in my life, it gives me a greater weight of responsibility to that next generation so that these things would continue. So we could be like Joshua who said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen? Not that a generation would be brought up in my home, in my house, that didn't know the Lord, but no, they're going to know the Lord. We're going to serve Him because we were intentional, because we invested, because we lived a life of honor, because a life of honor is lived selflessly. If you have your Bible, let's go to one more scripture, Proverbs chapter 31. I know that most churches probably across this country, when 
Mother's Day is celebrated, they're going to immediately open to Proverbs 31. And I tried to stay away from it, just because I wanted to do something different. But I did a rap in the beginning, so I guess that's different enough. How many pastors could say they rapped before they preached their sermon? But I couldn't stay away from Proverbs 31 because the truth in it is just so rich and it's so deep. But I'm not going to read the whole thing. I only want to share with you one verse and one verse alone out of Proverbs 31 and verse 28. says, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. I tried to stay away from that, but I was just thinking, you know, one of the greatest things that can happen in the life of a mother is that she would be able to hear her children say that they are blessed for having her as a model. One of the greatest things that your grandchildren could say is that they had you, Grandma, for a model. One of the greatest things that could ever be spoken about any one of us is that we lived a life that was honorable before God and man And it was a life worth following, a life worth looking at and patterning certain things after. Not a life that was perfect, but a life that still grew in trust of God, that grew in living in a way that would be honoring to the Lord, that would be showing forth His glory in a way that was selfless instead of selfish like the tide of our culture. How everything is all about us in our culture nowadays and how the foundation of our Nation has been greatly shaken by the fact that we're feeding into people's selfish flesh, how everything's all about me and I, even our iPads and our iPhones, and everything is I and me, and it's all customized to my liking because it's all supposed to be about what I want and what I can have and how I can't have it fast enough. In a culture where they're being children raised up in that type of an atmosphere. They're not learning about these things later on in life. They're being exposed to them from the get-go. They're being exposed to a culture that's very self-serving. And somebody has to step up and show them something different. Has to show them that, yeah, it's great to have this and it's great to have that. But this isn't about us. This is about something greater than you or me. This is about us living selfless and serving other people. It's not about what I can get and when I can get it. It's about what can I give. Because I've done my share of funerals as a pastor. And every time that I conduct a funeral, no one gets up and shares stories about how many things that individual could accumulate. No one got up and shared how they had the certain kind of car or how they had a certain parking space at the corporate office. No one gets up and talks about what they built for themselves. No, instead, everyone gets up and wants to talk about what they gave away. That's what people are remembered by. That's what lasts. That's what's honorable. What was the selfless acts that that person did? Those are the things that you and I are remembered for. Those are the things that bring glory to God. Those are the things that impact the next generation. So let's not wait until we're older to begin living selfless. Let's follow that model that we see in Scripture of how a mother is to raise her children by showing them how to live selflessly. If we do that, I guarantee you that we're going to grow stronger as families, stronger as a church, 
and there will be people who won't have anything evil to say about us. Amen? Amen. Because we're living our lives for God in a way that's honorable before God and man. So, who are you investing in? What's been invested in you? How do we live that life of honor? Let's recap this message today. First thing, you invest in the big picture. You see the big picture. You see beyond where you're at. Don't be small picture minded. Sometimes we can be so small minded that we're not thinking about the future because our present is so loud. But God says, I want you to invest in the big picture. So with tears, you're going to reap with joy. And then you need to watch over what you plant. So it's not just about a one-time thing, one and done. I took you to church once and that didn't fix you. No, no, no. We need to watch over what we plant. We need to keep standing in faith. We need to make sure that we're still trusting in God. Even though we may get a little wavy every now and then and we may have our faith challenged from time to time that we stand firm and that we keep watering that seed, that we keep making sure that seed has the proper sunlight, that the environment that it's exposed to is the right environment that's going to be conducive to its growth. And then the third thing, we need to grow in our responsibility and realize we're never going to get to the point where that thing's going to be self-sustaining. No, we're always going to be watching over the seed and investing. Our role just changes a little bit along the journey. But that we always are to be growing in responsibility. That God is calling us to a higher level. Remember Titus chapter 2. And then lastly, that we live selflessly. That it's not about us. That we recognize that it's not what I can accumulate, but rather it's what can I pour into someone else. What can I impart What can I give? That's how we live a life of honor. So what responsibility has God given you that it's time for you to take ownership of? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.